with us today. It's been a busy week here. If you've uh, um, ever been involved in the Vacation Bible School, you know that there's lots of kids running all over the place, and I think we had about, uh, oh, an average of 84, 85 kids on us per day here, and that was great. I think we got as high as 93 and as low as 75 or something like that. So it was, it was wonderful, and I want to thank all the volunteers. I'll be mentioning that again at the end with the announcements, but quite a wonderful week of being able to share the love of God with uh, the children. Um, at this time, I'm going to ask uh, the chairman, Jim Spears, just to come forward and make an announcement. The Old, the old Testament reading is from Leviticus, the 19th chapter. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Everybody here? Okay. We do this, uh, we make sure we're rec- I'm, re- I'm mic'd up because there are some people in our congregation who have headphones on that they're able to hear the message. And without those headphones on and me piping it through the message, uh, through the speakers, uh, they have trouble hearing. And I also know that some of you at the back have also said you sometimes can't hear our voices when we project without the microphone, so, or even sometimes with the microphone. So hence the reason for it. Well, anyways, let's get back to our text. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. How many of you have heard of James Garfield? Hopefully some of you history buffs have. James Garfield, a lay pastor and principal of the denominational college, was elected to be the 20th president of the United States of America. Most people don't know much about James Garfield because after only six months of being in the office, he was shot. The year was 1881, and the practice of medicine was at best crude. In an effort to find the bullet, the, the doctors probed around in the wound with their, with, with, with their fingers. To try to find the, the bullet, they even took a silver, a silver utensil and poked around in it, hoping that they would somehow be able to dislodge the bullet. After all of these failed attempts, Garfield was taken back to Washington where many teams of doctors came in and they all tried to to dislodge that bullet using their fingers, using various types of utensils. But Garfield's health continued to worsen. And finally, after a couple months, July and August, his health deteriorated to the point that on September 19, 1881, after this long battle, James Abram Garfield died. Now, you may be surprised to learn that the cause of his death was not the bullet. Garfield died because of the infection that was caused by the repeated handling of the doctors. Contemporary physicians looking back said if Garfield's caretakers had just left him alone, if they had just let the Lord's natural healing power to work in his life, the president probably would have survived. These well-intentioned doctors actually caused more problems than they solved. Well, Scripture is quite clear. Every time humans try to improve upon God's plans, they cause more problems than they solve. In fact, the result is often spiritual darkness and even death itself. I mean, Adam and Eve, in contradiction to God's command, ate of the forbidden fruit, and now we live with the devastating consequences of their action. When the people after the flood built a tower to glorify themselves rather than worshiping the Lord, they brought ethnic and cultural and linguistic differences into the world, which were the seed of what we now have to deal with called ethnocentrism and prejudice and even racism. The Old Testament kings of Israel and Judah often tried to approve upon God's plans and implemented the worship of other gods from other nations, and unfortunately, it created havoc in the in, in amongst the people of Israel and Judah, and God had to punish them and even sometimes scatter them 
in order to get them to realize how far they had been removed themselves from God. In the New Testament, King Herod tried to override God's plan by killing infant boys in Bethlehem, but he too failed. Judas tried to manipulate the circumstances around Jesus' life so that Jesus might be forced to initiate a political uprising. But instead, Judas' life ended with despair and even suicide. History is littered with numerous prophets, religious leaders, claiming to have a new and better message than that which was revealed or is revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. So, for example, if we look back in history, we see that Muhammad was visited by the angel Gabriel, who revealed to him new revelations, which became the source of the Quran. And now billions of people in the world are deceived. They live in darkness, and the result is death. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, had an angel appear to him and, and showed him where a buried book of golden plates was, talking about the Judeo-Christian history of an American civilization. And that book is now the Book of Mormon. And he's, of course, written a number of other books revealed to him. And this, these books talk about multiple gods and goddesses. It talks about a religion of works, and unfortunately... There's deception, there's darkness, there's death. Whether well-intentioned or sinister in motive or even deceived by a demonic messenger, one simply cannot improve upon God's plan of salvation. And that's why when one of Paul's converts, Ephrathras, was probably the one who started the church in Colossae, came to Paul and broke the news that, the, that there were false teachers infiltrating into the church in Colossae, that Paul responds so quickly and decisively with this epistle to the Colossian Christians. You see, the new and improved plan, according to the charlatans, incorporated some Jewish rules and regulations. It had some influence of what was called Gnosticism at the time. And Gnosticism was this philosophy that there's, these, there's this secret knowledge that needs to be revealed to you. And this secret knowledge, according to these people that were coming into the church in Colossae, was revealed through special messengers, angels. And so you wanted to listen to the messages of these angels. You wanted to worship these angels so that you might prove your sincerity of your faith. It wasn't like it was replacing the Christian faith. It was in addition to the Christian faith. And so these false teachers used a lot of the same words. Talked about the same kind of things. Talked about Jesus being Savior. But in order to have this special knowledge, to have this new mystery unraveled for you, you needed to follow the angels. You needed to worship the angels. You needed to live a severe life of discipline. You needed to follow those Jewish ceremonies. And unfortunately, unfortunately, those who were being caught up in these false teachings were being deceived, and they were being brought back into the darkness of spiritual darkness and even ultimately spiritually dying. In his letter, Paul encourages the Colossian Christians to stand firm against these false teachers who said that they could improve upon God's plan of salvation. It can't be improved. God sent His Son into the world, Paul writes to the Colossians, who, in whom dwells the whole deity of God, who is the image of the invisible God, who participated in the creation of the world, 
In, in fact, not only the creation of the world, but even of the heavens itself. And he's the firstborn from the dead. I mean, he's the one who rose from the dead. And it's in him, in Christ, that we have forgiveness of sins and redemption. Paul is saying, how in the world can you improve upon such a message? So throughout the entire letter, Paul wants the Colossian Christians and the saints of St. James to, to stick to God's plan. And we know his plan, don't we? The Spirit of the Lord has revealed it to us. God's plan is a plan about eternity. It's a simple plan. It's not overly complicated. Because of sin, we were destined to God's eternal condemnation. But because of the sacrificial of death, death of Christ on the cross, we are free. And we talked about that over the last few weeks as we looked at the book of Galatians. We are free. Free from sin. Free from the curse of the law. Free from death itself. And because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, all who believe in Christ will live. They'll have a full and abundant life here in time and for all eternity. And this is God's divine plan. It cannot be corrected. It shouldn't be modified. And it certainly can't be improved. God's plan is so simple that by the Holy Spirit, the smallest person among us can believe it. It is so brilliant that the smartest person cannot comprehend it. And God's plan is so gracious and grand that the greatest among us are humbled by it. His plan is the only plan that saves. Around the turn of the century, a young man asked a farmer for a job. When the farmer asked what qualified him for such a job, the youth said, well, I can, I can sleep when the wind blows. Now, the farmer didn't understand what that meant, but he let it go. And since he liked the boy, he offered the boy a job. And less than a month later, the farmer and his wife were jolted awake by a fierce thunderstorm and jumping to the window. They did a checklist of all the things that needed to be secured from that powerful wind. Were the shutters of the farmhouse secured? Yes. Were the farm implements in the storage shed? Yes. Was the barn locked? Yes. And that was when the farmer understood what the words of the young boy meant when he said, I can sleep when the wind blows. You see, the young boy meant that everything would be done that was necessary to make the farm secure. And in a similar way, when people ask God, why should we believe in you, your son, or their plan of salvation, the Lord replies, you'll be able to sleep when the wind blows. Yes, the world may hurl hurricane forces at us with its temptations and wild philosophies and ways. Satan may arrive howling accusations after us and after us and after us because of the sin that we commit. Death may come blustering and it will come blustering, but when we have Jesus as our Savior, we are safe. We are safe because we're in the stronghold of God. Jesus has done everything necessary to secure our life. And so we can be at peace, even when there's storms waging around us. And to all of those winds, we know that Jesus says with all authority of heaven and earth, peace, be still. And those winds, so to speak, are stilled because we live in the strong arms of our Savior who died for us and rose from the dead for us. 
God's plan of salvation results not only in us being safe and secure in our salvation, but it also means that we live our lives with faith in Christ. Love for all the saints and hope in the treasure stored up for us in heaven. I mean, listen to these words from Paul that he wrote to the Colossians. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you are already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. You see, as people of God, we are so privileged to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that good news of God's great love for each and every one of us. And as a result, God in that gospel holds before our eyes this hope that we have. It's a a certain hope. And Peter talks about that in his epistle, his first epistle, where we have this hope of treasures in heaven that can never perish or spoil or, or be taken away from us. They're being kept there for us. And that gospel of God reveals this to us, and we have this hope. And because we have this hope, faith flows from it, and we trust in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And and we have this love that flows from God's cross to us and out from us into the lives of other people so that we love one another, we care for one another among those who are of the household of the faith. And as we heard last week, we even love those who are not of the household of faith. And as we heard in the gospel lesson for today, we even love those who may be unlovable, who may be different from us, who may even have a different religion than us, who may live their lives by a different philosophy than us. But we love them and we care for them and we reach out to them and we serve them and we love them even as Jesus loves and serves us. It's this gospel message that Paul says that bears fruit He says in our text, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. Now I know when we look out at the situation in the United States and Canada, it doesn't look like God's gospel is doing very much, does it? I mean, we know that the church in many quarters of this country is, is shrinking. And yet, God's gospel, the Holy Spirit continues to work through it to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ each and every day in this country, in Canada, and around the world. In fact, there's a, some missiologists will tell you that the God, Christian message is spreading faster and in more places today than it ever has in the history of this world. Because you see, in that gospel message is the power of God of the salvation for all who believe. That gospel message that God loves that world so much, his sinful fallen world so much that he spared the most precious thing to him, his own son Jesus Christ, and through Jesus our sins are forgiven. We have redemption. That, my friends, is the good news that people need to hear. They don't need to continually hear from us, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. No, they need to hear this precious gospel that God loves them so much in Christ Jesus. As Paul says, our Lord has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Commit those words 
to heart, to your mind and to your heart. In Christ, you and I have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who in the world doesn't need to hear that message? Paul also goes on to say in our text that he desires that we would have certain qualities that are exhibited in our life. He has a beautiful prayer for the Colossians. Maybe you picked up on it as you were reading the words or heard them read to you. But he prays first and foremost that the Colossian Christians would be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. You see, they live in God's grace and forgiveness in Christ. But Paul also prays that they would continue to grow in their faith and life, that they would be continually filled to overflowing with the knowledge of God's will through the wisdom and understanding that only the Spirit of the Lord can give. And that would be his prayer for you and me today too. That we would so invest ourselves in God's Word by reading it and studying it and inwardly digesting it that, that it would become a part of us. And that we'd have a better understanding of what God's will and what his, not, what, what his wisdom is for us so that as we go through our lives we have God's Word discerning things around us, helping us to know which way it is that we should live our lives and, and so on and so forth. And that's why here at St. James we offer all kinds of opportunities for you to grow in your, in your faith life, to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of God through not only worship services but Bible studies, through even using a Bible app like the Version Bible, by having different kinds of groups that come together around the Word of God so that collectively we can grow because it's through those means that the Holy Spirit works in our lives and helps us grow in our faith and our life. And St. Paul then goes on to say he desires that we grow in this knowledge and wisdom of God so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord. There's four participles that modify the word live a life. What does it mean to live a life worthy of the Lord? Well, if you look at our text, you'll see that St. Paul says there's four things. One, you bear fruit in every good work. Two, you grow in the knowledge of God. You keep on growing in the knowledge of God. Three, you're continually being strengthened with all the power as you grow in the knowledge of God for it's the Holy Spirit working in you. And Paul says that as you grow in the knowledge of God, you will have endurance. You'll have patience. Your heart will be filled with joy. And he says as you go through these things, then you will have thanksgiving in your heart. Even as the winds blow around you, you'll have thanksgiving in your heart for the fact that you know that in Christ you've been qualified for an inheritance in heaven. So how are you at living a life worthy of the Lord's calling? Well, if you're like me, you can probably see that in every one of these things that I just outlined for you that you're far from perfect. And as we evaluate and look at our own lives, we recognize that indeed we are imperfect and all the more reason why we want to rely and trust in the message that God has given to us in the gospel. That even in our sins, God still loves us 
even though we disobey him in our thoughts, words, and deeds by what we've done and haven't done, Christ still, his death still means something for us, for our sins are forgiven. And as we live in that forgiveness and love of God, it's the Spirit of the Lord, empowered through the Word, that enables us to continue to bear good fruit in every good work, so that when we see that see that man, so to speak, along the side of the road, we just don't scoff at him, but instead we look for the ways to to help and to love and to serve that person, our neighbor, who is in need. That's why we make it a priority to grow in our knowledge of the Lord and and make devotional reading of the Scriptures and the study of the Scriptures a priority in our life. That's why we, we turn to the Lord again and again through worship and the means of grace so that we might have this endurance and patience and joy flow in our lives, being a fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we live in this love, when we live in this promise of everlasting life, we can't help but give thanks to God. We can't help but give thanks to God for all that He has done for us, for that time when He claimed us as His very own in the waters of holy baptism and has continued to be faithful to us all these days. And so, my friends in Christ, I pray that you will not deviate from God's plan of salvation. I pray that you will not fall for one of those new and improved religions. Instead, my prayer for you is the same one that Paul prayed for the Colossian Christians when he prayed that God would continue to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this indeed is my prayer for you, that in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, you may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with His power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, and that you daily give thanks to God, to God the Father, For it is he who has qualified you and me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.